Hello and welcome to WMQ&A, the podcast where two best friends talk about comics with the people who make them. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Laswitz. And this week's guest is the writer of the Shakespeare meets superhero comic, No Holds Barred, that's B-A-R-D, published by Behemoth Comics after a successful Kickstarter campaign, Eric Gladstone. Welcome, Eric. Hey, everybody. I waved, even though it's a, an audio-only <laughs> podcast. Uh, so, uh, yeah, first-time guest question, uh, what are some of the first comics you remember reading? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I remember reading, like, a lot of stuff as a kid. I, um, comics have always been a pretty big part of my life. I mean, I started off with Calvin and Hobbes and, and Tintin, mm-hmm. and um, I remember getting a book called um city of light city of dark at like the scholastic book fair one year and just loving it it's a black and white uh kind of otherworldly comic that takes place in manhattan magical realism with shadow creatures and stuff like that and i really liked it um but i didn't really start collecting comics until probably junior high or high school around the time the hellboy movie came out and Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember reading um, like Hellboy Weird Tales and uh, Ultimate Fantastic Four was was like just coming out. And uh, I remember um, borrowing my friend's um, trade paperback of Madman Oddity Odyssey, which is still one of my all time favorites Um, Mm -hmm. and just a big influence on me as a person. And so as a bonus icebreaker, as this falls into my peculiar line of interest, um, what is your first play by Shakespeare that you remember seeing? Well, I mean, you know, I'm um, not a Shakespeare expert. And I mean, I did a lot of research going into this, but, um, you know, I think with um, most of us, we kind of... encounter Shakespeare in junior high or high school as well. So, you know, um, I think either Midsummer Night's Dream or Romeo and Juliet uh, was my first. And, you know, these are plays to be, uh, you know, performed or seen rather than read. Uh, And so that was something that always kind of bothered me a little bit about uh, having even like when we were doing like class readings and like sending the books around uh, around the class to, to and, and, and casting it um, just to make the, uh, the, the these things kind of pop and, and 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 feel like them in real life, you know. So yeah, I mean, let's 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 kind of dig into that. Uh, you know, like we said, we're here. You're here to talk about No Holds Barred, your uh, mashup of Shakespeare and, and classic superhero action in the vein of uh, Batman '66. Uh, we uh, like to go ahead and read the solicit copy for the listeners and, and save you the trouble of repeating the elevator pitch. Uh, Matt, as our resident Shakespeare guy and our resident Batman guy, uh, I'm going to give you the honors this episode. William Shakespeare is often called the greatest actor, poet, playwright of all time, but less widely known is that he was also the Elizabethan era's greatest crime fighter. When Queen Elizabeth I is kidnapped, only the dramatic duo of William Shakespeare and William Page 
and their superhero alter egos, the Bard and Page, can save her. In this globe-trotting graphic novel, the Bard and Page butt heads and come to blows with contemporaries and fictional characters alike, from Sir Francis Bacon and Kit Marlowe to Puck and his zombified Richard III. As they get closer to the truth behind Shakespeare's world-renowned intelligence, they'll find out the deeper meaning behind love, labor, and losing it. Good read. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> we aim to please. <laughs> so uh, what, are, what, what, what is the origin of this project? I came up with the name first uh, and worked backwards from there. Uh, I was like, I, I was a wrestling fan as a kid. And uh-huh. I kept hearing Jim Ross and uh, Jerry the King Waller say it's going to be a no holds barred slobber knocker and not really knowing what that meant. And uh, then eventually being like, oh, you, you can't use it's OK to use every kind of hold. There's no holds being barred. Uh, and then I was like, oh, the Shakespeare, he's called the Bard. That'd be funny. And uh, then this is something that has been kind of churning over in my brain for years and years and years. And then eventually I was like, you know what, I'm going to write this thing. And I, I, it had surprised me that no one had um, attempted to do it before. Um, I guess there is another podcast called No Holds Bard that, that came out while I was in production, but, uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, people have the same idea across continents. So, uh, you know, as just one of those coincidences, but, uh, I, I always thought like in, in terms of actually making the thing, I was like, well, what if Shakespeare was arrogant enough to have a bust of himself? Because I loved, uh, (laughs) the Batman 66 thing, it was in syndication all the time when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And so he would actually like uh, flip up the bust of of Shakespeare and press a button and the door would slide open. There would be these two poles and he could, he he and, 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 and Dick would uh, slide down the poles and they would emerge on the other side in the Batcave wearing their superhero garb. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's cool. Um, and so, you know, and, and having seen the, uh, the, the recent uh, Matt Reeves, The Batman, mm-hmm. uh, I loved seeing those little nods to, uh, to Shakespeare and to the 66 show in there. You know, the movie's kind of all over the place. But the, 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 the fan service for me as a 66 fan, oh boy. Um, so, I, I mean... I was like, well, you, you want to have it as a as as something that that has some educational value. And so I was like, well, what if I made it in iambic pentameter? Because that is something that for me was very um, appealing. Um, there was uh, I, when I was initially writing the scripts, I just did it in prose and I submitted it uh, in its first iteration. There have been a, a couple of different attempts to, to make this thing over the years. And um, it, it got pretty far at, at Oni Press, um, but because the language was not up to snuff at the time, uh, it got rejected. And I was like, oh, okay, well, 
I'm going to go back and really count the syllables on my fingers and make this the best thing that it can be and deliver on the promise that I would want to see as a reader and uh, as someone who does enjoy Shakespeare. Um, so that was kind of the, the, the beginnings of it. Um, when, when I initially got the first six or eight pages done, uh, they, they were done by Erica Henderson, like right before she got her, uh, her, her break on Squirrel Girl. And I was oh, like, wow. oh, okay. So this, so, so, you know, this is seven plus years in development and I'm so happy that it's finally out and it's, and, and the, the, the trade is coming out soon. And, and I hope that it has kind of a long tail end, uh, and that people enjoy it and people can kind of see it for for what it is um i i had a i had a blast writing it and uh you know you you mentioned erica how did i i guess the going from there the rest of the creative team sort of solidify and come into place um so uh to give you an idea of how how long this thing has been uh in development uh there was an old site called Comics Alliance and Chris Sims every mm. uh, every week or two would put up a like a, a comics artist we love this week uh, 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 featurette. And that was just like an, an incredible resource uh, just going through and seeing like who's really great and worth following. And I just found her email and reached out to her. But uh, in this uh, latest um iteration i i didn't have that opportunity because comics alliance is long gone and so i just uh uh scoured twitter like uh, like i usually do <laughs> and found uh an, an amazing artist uh, named gabrielle kari and uh she had just graduated uh from art school and just knocked it out of the park i think this is her first sequential uh, graphic novel and, and she just did an incredible job. I, I am so impressed with her talent and her take on it and her um, ability to make, uh, you know, my, my words into something that is uh, fully realized. And, you know, uh, Ines Bravo uh, is a colorist uh, from, uh, from, from Portugal and she did an amazing job too. And I've, I've never met or spoken to either of these people, but uh, a lot of this stuff is just done by email and it, it, it all came together. And uh, I'm, I'm really proud of the work that we put forward. That's great. Now, you know, Erica, Gabrielle, you know, two artists with, with very different styles, you know, Erica uh, is an amazing cartoonist. Gabrielle's got this big, sort of manga influence running throughout her work. When you, you know, when you're first sort of envisioning this on the page, you know, was there a, a similar or a third style that you kind of had in your head of, of what this could look like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, not, not, not totally. I mean, it's always, I, I'm a big manga reader mm -hmm. myself. And so I always kind of think of the finished panels um, but they're usually not, you know, they're, they're, they're done in, in a style that's just like, 
in my own brain. I'm not an artist. I, 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 I tried when I was a kid and I can do layouts. Uh, okay. But, uh, just for me, see, seeing the, um, the way that artists actually interpret, uh, these like, uh, panel one, panel two, uh, instructions essentially as the comic script, um, that to me is more impressive than anything that I can put out or my stick figures or, uh, anything like that. I mean, I definitely don't like envision a specific style. I'm not thinking like, oh, this is going to look like James Stokoe or, uh, you know, Alex Ross or whatever, but it's, it's always, you, you try and think of staging, but not so much what the, 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 the actual result is going to be the, the, the on page, uh, result. Do you have a, a favorite example of Shakespeare either appearing in or being adapted for comics, uh, outside of your own, obviously. <laughs> uh, honestly, in terms of comics, not really. I haven't, I haven't seen too many, uh, adaptations of Shakespeare in comics. I, I know that there's that choose your own adventure, uh, by Ryan Q North. And hmm. that's really, really funny. Uh, and uh, Kate Beaton did Hark a Vagrant, which is fantastic. Yes. But I mean, those all kind of, take the style of it but not so much the uh the 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 ancillary uh uh things about shakespeare there's a lot of um uh, there's a lot of easter eggs and stuff for if you're a fan um Mm -hmm. you know you'll see red and white roses you'll see uh skulls and uh and 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 little little nods to the material um but i mean i just I, I saw this as more of a, an opportunity to fill a niche uh, where there, you know, that you, you see that there's a lot of space for this, but not so much uh, stuff that's actually been doing it yet. Uh, and so that's what I hope to, uh, to, to, to achieve with this. And I, I think I did an okay job, but, you know, I, I leave that to the reader. Matt, did you have any uh, answers in the tank for that one? Uh, I mean, I I could go on. Uh, <laughs> there's You're always, allowed sometimes. <laughs> you know, there's always uh, the the game in uh, Midsummer Night and Tempest from Sandman. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Kill Shakespeare from IDW. Oh yeah, right. Uh, but if you, this isn't comics, but I think my favorite sort of mashups of Shakespeare are the Christopher Moore uh, pocket, the fool trilogy, fool, yeah. fool mm-hmm. serpent of Venice and Shakespeare for squirrels, comedic mm-hmm. novels that jam and twist different Shakespeare plays. To, I mean, the first one is just Lear, but from the point of view of the fool, then the second is the fool having left that play and a mashup of the uh the venice plays so othello and merchant of venice Mm -hmm. with also the cask of amontillado by poe thrown in there because why not sure (laughs) and uh shakespeare for squirrels which is midsummer's night 
which is is wonderful. Uh, but yeah, it, generally speaking out there, if you've not read Christopher Moore in general, good place to start and a very, very funny, funny writer. Absolute delight. I actually didn't know that he had put out a third of those uh, pocket books. So that's... Yeah right before the dark times I, I i read it right around that that time good time to put out a novel <laughs> um getting getting back to the art you know there are there are some amazing pitups throughout the book from erica henderson whom we've mentioned uh pia guerra cena grace joe Quinones. you know how does one go about collecting all this wonderful art. What is the experience like of, of creating a thing? And then you got all these sort of different one page visions of it sort of coming into your, your email. I mean, I love seeing all of the pinups and, uh, and alternate covers and stuff like that. And uh, a lot of those just kind of came from uh, by, by, by chance. So a lot of them you can artists, uh, are working people and they have emails and a lot of times they uh, just take commissions and you tell them what you're doing and they will respond in a uh, if, if they like it um, and have availability and time and you can pay them their page mm -hmm. rate then they will uh, do really excellent work and so I was extremely lucky to be able to know to know these people and to um and, and as huge fans of their work, um, I, the, the, there's only, I think, two or three um, pinups from people that I had actually like known before. Uh, Cena Grace, uh, who I've known for many years, he used to work at the comic book shop that I went to. And, uh, and, and Luke McGarry, who I just kind of know from cartooning and around uh, Los Angeles where I live. And so, so, uh, oh, and, and, and Bobby Rubio, who was the, uh, director of, um, of Pixar's float. Uh, I, I met him when I was, uh, an intern on Avatar, the last airbender, which is a, ah. an exciting time. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, he was just very, uh, down to do a cover and, uh, he has his own, uh, uh, comic Alcatraz High, which is really fun. And uh, unfortunately, he's not going to Comic-Con this year, but uh, I, I, I love that dude. And he's working for Paramount now, and he's doing some uh, a, a cool movie uh, that I don't really know too, too much about, but I'm very excited to see what he does next. Um, just a fantastic dude. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, we would uh, get these covers back and just to be like the first one to see him and, 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 and be like, okay, now this is a really cool interpretation of my interpretation of this very bizarre uh, mashup of things that had gone on at, you know? Um, and, and so for, for me, it was just a delight of probably one of the best things, uh, you know, I, I have collected a lot of different uh, weird pinups. I have a, uh, just from like con sketches and stuff like that. I have a mm -hmm. whole series of, uh, of Abraham Lincoln as different superheroes. I have a, 
I, I used to work for, for Stanley for several mm -hmm. years and um, I have, a, I, I'm staring at it right now. There's a, uh, I, I have a, a pinup of him as kind of the birth of Venus uh, coming up with big hair uh, covering himself <laughs> and, uh, and he signed it and it is really funny. It's one, it's one of my favorite things. I, I'd be happy to send it to you for like show notes or whatever. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm an art admirer and appreciator and enjoyer. And uh, I love seeing individual pieces of art. And I thought, Hey, these, I, I want to make this a good thing. And so that's what I, what I tried to do. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Um, so this started out on Kickstarter. Uh, how did that crowdfunding and fulfillment process go for you? Oh gosh, um, it, so, so this has actually been kickstarted twice. The first one was for the first issue, which was the kind of a pilot issue, which had Erica Henderson and Logan Ferber and uh, a few other artists uh, just to do that, that first thing. But I, saw, I, I wanted this, like, I, I, I kept getting good feedback on it and thinking like, you know, I really want this to be a thing that is one discrete piece of work that has uh, a, a vision that goes throughout the whole thing. And so I wanted to have it be a, uh, a six issue run essentially. And so after that, that first Kickstarter, I was like, well, damn, I'll, I'll do it for, I'll do it again. And uh, I set the, goal a little bit higher and uh we made it and uh then the artists that we had contracted for the first uh for for the whole thing dropped out and uh so then i went and found another artist and it was uh it, it really could not have turned out better um you know this is something that has had kind of a long and rocky uh production process and everything that that could go wrong did um and i knew that it was worth it and that i still had to like push forward and and keep making it and keep trying it and uh because i i really wanted to see it out there and uh i i was lucky in that uh i was able to do it um but i will say if you're gonna do a kickstarter it's much easier and I think fairer and better to treat it as something that is, you already have the work more or less complete and use this, uh, the, the, the proceeds to kind of pay yourself back than it is to uh, make it like to, to promise something and not have it done uh, because it, otherwise, you know, it'll take two years to finish. And, uh, and that's not necessarily fair to the backers and, uh, and, and, but, but like I, like I was saying, I, I think that, uh, the backers were very patient. I mean, we had a lot of really cool, um, 
promotions and tie-ins and stuff like that. Uh, stuff like, um, not, not just like, you know, prints and stuff. I mean, I definitely went a little overboard with, you know, uh, freebies and, 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 and swag and stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, I think our biggest, uh, uh, our, our biggest reward was a, uh, a, a skull box. Uh, we, we, I, I commissioned a, uh, a local woodworker to make, uh, a, a uh, like a curio cabinet that had, uh, a, a, a replica human skull from a place called bone clones, uh, that's out <laughs> here that has, uh, just like fantastic, uh, uh, accurate, uh, scientific models of, of human skulls. And so we put that in there and sent it off and, uh, you know, I hope it got to the person who ordered it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they are enjoying their skull. <laughs> yeah. Um, from there, how did it find its way to Behemoth? Uh, through Dave Guanch. Uh, Dave had been a friend of mine through the con circuit, um, and uh, he was starting something with them. And uh, this was... Gosh, this was in 2020, like at C2E2, um, which was March 2020, like February to March 2020. Uh, the the right? last good time. That's what I, the that's last what I like good to time. It. And it was, you know, people were nervous and I, I was wearing a, a Bane cosplay mask uh, <laughs> and uh, thinking like, oh, no, this is this is the end times. But I, I ran into Dave there and he was like, yeah, you should uh, send this to Behemoth. And um, he made the introduction and, and those guys are really cool. Um, and, you know, looking at their catalog, this is kind of an outlier for them. Like they do heavy metal drummer, which is, you know, <laughs> that, uh, a really cool kind of like rock and roll thing. And uh, they do a lot of like, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily call Shakespeare punk. I mean, he he could be considered that in certain circles, I'm sure. But um it, it, from the, the, they definitely have like that kind of punk vibe to a lot of their stuff and they do a lot of horror um and this is more of a whimsical fantasy comedy about uh you, you know this kind of taking this highfalutin character down a peg and <laughs> and so for me that was uh you know i was just excited to have somebody look at look at the book i mean that it, that's always been I, I've had a, a kind of a, a difficulty feeling visible uh, in in certain ways. And so for me, like, I don't know too many editors uh, of comics and, you know, it always feels kind of awful, just like sending it out into the submissions void and just having it land on a pile somewhere and maybe you'll get uh uh, maybe you'll get something back and maybe not. Um, then it could take six months or a year. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate that they, that they picked me up and, uh, that they, that they counted on me and that they liked it. And, uh, I, I, I think they did a, a pretty good job. Uh, one of the things, you know, to tell you a little bit more about how cursed this production was like the, the, um, the Diamond Comics distribu uh, distributors hack 
was uh, right at the time we were soliciting like one and two. And so uh, one had a lot of uh, pre-orders, which was great. We were, you know, very excited for that. And then there was a pretty steep drop off for two, which, you know, was not unexpected, but it was also, I'm pretty sure they lost a bunch because I mean, I went to uh, go pick up two and three and they were kind of late and some by many, many weeks. And there was an instance where I think three and four came out within a, a week or two of each other. And that's just comics today. It's, it's a uh, really hard industry. There's, um, especially if you're kind of an unknown quantity, especially if you're a, a, a newer creator, um, it is, especially during a paper shortage and a pandemic and supply chain issues and all this other stuff. I mean, it's a miracle that it came out at all. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very grateful that it did and, and that it got the response that it has. But at the same time, it's like, I've always kind of, you know, felt a little like, why isn't everybody as excited for this uh, silly thing uh, as I am? And I mean, that's my lesson to learn, I suppose. But, um, you know, I I think the next thing is not going to try and uh, redefine things uh, for myself, uh, at least, uh, as much as this one is. Um, as this has been a, 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 you know, it's one of those things that it was, it was so difficult, but I can't imagine like there's any world where I gave up and, and just like went on with my life without having finished it because I knew that it was worth talking about and it was worth, uh, uh it was it was worth making and it was worth uh completing and i would love to make more of it someday if i could but um you know i have a a whole bunch of uh ideas for a second volume uh and and uh you know and beyond that um i just think that these are such fun characters and fun uh situations there's there's a lot to pull from uh Shakespeare himself you know pulled from anything that he could and recontextualized it and uh and and it was all uh political propaganda anyway and so it was uh so so it was a joy to write and it was hard to make comics are so difficult and I I mentioned that I you know started as an artist and kind of stopped around the time I was a teenager but um you know that's that's kind of one of my bigger regrets in life is not, you know, teaching myself how to make these things for myself. I mean, I, I always kind of admired people who could do it and I just never had the, uh, the capacity to be bad at it, uh, for long enough to be good at it. And I, I, I hated that, you know, like that. And, and and learning instruments is like i couldn't stand feeling like i'm i'm bad at this uh long enough to be okay and so you know learn from my mistakes kids uh keep at it (laughs) i i was that way with i i probably 
took up guitar, I don't know, two or three times <laughs> and, and, and didn't keep at it for very long. And uh, I, I think I put it down after I had my first kid because it's like, well, what am I going to do it when he's asleep? What can't I do when he's asleep? Practice the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to have to settle for, for uh, rock band and guitar hero because... Yeah, that's I mean that, that scratches that itch. That gives you just the 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 smallest sense of like what it is actually playing. I I mean I took up there was a game a couple of years ago called Rock Smith, uh, where it actually used a real guitar and like you you would play chords uh, and and like play real songs and that's like a a really cool thing. But uh, then I realized oh my fingers hurt <laughs> and so like. <laughs> uh so so for me that was my my give up point um i couldn't they, they had all these mini games and i was just like i i think i'm hitting an f chord no this is hard uh so you know for for writing i think that comes a little bit more naturally to me anyway um i've always been kind of you know more creatively uh inclined uh and so but i needed an outlet for it and i was at least tolerant enough or, you know, of my own ass enough to be like, oh, I'm good at this from the beginning. Uh, and then, you know, I'll go back to my old scripts and be like, oh, this is awful. Um, but I'm okay with that more than uh, something that is drawn. Thinking about specifically uh, issue four, Romeo and Juliet obviously tends to be people's first brush with Shakespeare in, you know, ninth grade or whatever, you know, you do a lot in that story to sort of re-examine and, and rewrite their story while also remixing in Two Gentlemen of Verona and, and furthering the, the Bard and Page's personal journeys. Was that the, was Romeo and Juliet sort of the, the easiest Shakespeare work to dismantle to suit your, your needs? Honestly, no. I think that that was the hardest one because I think people are the most familiar with it. Mm. And, you know, I was always like, ooh, is this okay to try and recontextualize? Is this okay to, 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 to say like, no, these kids were wrong and they were, uh, you know, them trying to suicide themselves is not a good idea. And, you know, it's, it's, for me, it was, I, I wanted um, Paige to kind of uh, fight someone. And uh, so when, uh, um, so like, I, I knew that I wanted him to fight someone. And so uh, Proteus was the, the, the guy for him to fight. Uh, because he's kind of an asshole in Gentlemen of, in Two Gentlemen of Verona, and uh, yeah, and, and so for me, um, I to have him be this kind of like self-proclaimed alpha male who like who who thinks that he's going to be cucked like that for me is uh, is, is something you know you you want to. Um, kind of take the the modern interpretation of what it means to be masculine and and what it means to uh 
to, to show feelings. Um, and, and for me, that was a, an important thing to do. And, you know, I think that, uh, that, that Shakespeare has his kind of smallest role in that uh, issue. And that's just because it, it's much more about Paige and, and his journey and him uh, catching feelings and feeling like, you know, what, what does this mean for, uh, for, for him and for, uh, his journey. And, and so I wanted, um, Shakespeare to, to just be a guy that, that is a positive influence on him and who's not going to judge him, you know, for, for being himself. Um, because that is, I think, something that we all need. Uh, there's so many examples of just shitty male role models and uh, in, in media and in families and beyond. And uh, that's something that I've always struggled with. And so uh, I, I wanted to just have someone who's going to kind of have my back no matter what. And uh and, and so to bring uh, Romeo and Juliet back into it, um, you know, I think that their, uh, their ideas um, are uh, a little rash. Uh, and I think that uh, they are, you know, I, I think that they are ultimately justified doing what they did, but that's only because they didn't see another way um and but but there always is and so i hope that 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 resonates with uh with people you know it's 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 funny i'm uh, you know of of the two of us myself and matt you know i'm, I'm certainly less of the the shakespeare expert so you know i see the name proteus my mind automatically goes to the uh you know the x-men character and then and, and certainly a lot of Marvel characters take their names from Shakespeare, but then you Google Proteus by itself. And the first thing that comes up is neither of those things. It's, it's something out of Greek mythology and also a bacterium. Uh, so you have to actually, you have to actually like drill down and type Proteus Shakespeare. If you want the character from two gentlemen uh, to your mind though, what is the, the deepest Shakespeare poll that you seated in this book? I think I make a, um, a Timon of Athens uh, reference in there at some point, uh, but maybe not. I, I that might have been cut out. Uh, but and and now Matt's looking at me like he's he's Matt's trying to trying to Matt didn't pick that up, and so I'm now kind of going back and trying to think <laughs> where I might have missed it. Do I? Uh, maybe not. Maybe cut this answer. Um, but I think that, yeah, um, yeah, so I get, I, I think I may have cut that out. Um, something about the, gosh, it, it has been a while since I've written it and read it. So um, I, I don't know about like the deepest cut, but um, my favorite cut is uh, going to the Tempest Island and seeing the bones of Prospero and Miranda was something that always kind of stuck with me. Like, 
these people would not have survived there. They don't know how to hunt or fish or uh, build a, a shelter. And yeah, so just seeing their bleach bones was something that was really funny to me. And so I actually used that twice, uh, once in the Luke McGarry cover and once in the book. Um, but uh, yeah, I think uh, probably having like Nim and Pistol be, um, be, uh, be henchmen uh, and it was, it was a pretty deep cut for me. Uh, they just are, uh, they're recast as uh, disgruntled stagehands who want to give Shakespeare a vicious bopping and they end up doing it uh, at, with, a, with a dung shovel and it is gross. And, but I think that that's uh, in their wheelhouse. So uh, that to me was, was kind of funny. They, they, I, I've worked on movie sets and stuff. And so I know how toxic it can be sometimes. And to have Shakespeare be a pompous director who is, you know, more uh, David Fincher or, uh, Alfred Hitchcock than, you know, someone that actually, you know, does two or three takes and gets what they need uh, is, is really funny to me. Now, were there any Shakespeare characters, favorites of yours that just didn't work in this book that you would have liked to squeeze in there? Oh, yeah. Um, my favorite Shakespeare's are the histories. And so... I, I think my favorite Shakespeare play of all is Richard II. Uh, and I know that that's kind of a, a recent favorite for a lot of people, but, um, you know, that and like Julius Caesar, uh, which, you know, I, I love uh, the Antony monologue uh, is one of the, the best uh, monologues in all of fiction. And so, uh, that's something that I wanted to work in there, the honorable man uh, speech. And that's something that, that, that didn't really uh, give itself an opportunity to, uh, to show because it's just a different time period. And I wanted to treat it like, kind of like how Futurama treats the movie of the past that they go and see, where it's like, this is the movie of it's either World War II or the Revolutionary War, and it's like it has all these wild anachronisms. Um, but to me, that's that's kind of the charm of it. It's it's not trying to be uh, accurate to 1599. Uh, it's it's supposed to be you know about the spirit of the thing and kind of through the lens of modern uh, uh, readers who don't know much about Shakespeare and like what what someone. Uh, who didn't read the assignment uh, would come back and say that it was about uh, to me was, uh, was was very appealing and and funny and um, yeah you you just hit a couple of my favorites there Caesar is the first Shakespeare I ever saw on stage and Richard II has been a favorite since I first read it in high school and is one of has one of my favorite quotes in Shakespeare. I hath wasted time, now doth time waste me. Yeah, Richard's a real sad boy, just like me. And so uh, <laughs> I, I definitely identified with him more than the outright evil uh, Richard III, uh, who, you know, is justified enough in his evil, um, but he went out and said it. And 
one thing about working for Stan for as long as I did is he loved Shakespeare and would uh, frequently quote uh, the honorable man speech uh, in his office. And uh, I, I was kind of the in-house video guy. And so we would just kind of like joke about different things. And, and he would, uh, he would like launch into these things that he had like memorized when he was a kid. I mean, he didn't grow up on comics. He grew up on classics. And so uh, between like that and Poe, uh, I think those were his favorite and he could launch into those at any time. I mean, uh, it was, it was pretty cool to see. So as, as someone who is versed in his Shakespeare and his lore, uh, I personally tend to find the authorship question absurd at best. And it's often tedious for those that aren't really Shakespeare people. However, the the bit in issue one, I find a pretty dang funny twist on that. Did you have a particular axe to grind with the theory that Francis Bacon wrote Shakespeare, or was he just an easier target than Edward de Vere, Earl of Oxford? I mean, for me, it was like I when I was a when I was like a teenager, you get introduced to these plays, and also kind of at the same time, you get. Uh, you know, they, you get the authorship question and then, you know, someone like, um, what's his name? Uh, Roland Emmerich will make a movie about the authorship question, uh, which is just so silly. And, you know, there's definitely um, plays that he wrote with other people. But uh, I, I think the the in terms of me writing it i was just like no i want to have uh, francis bacon be like jealous because his own stuff was is not as famous today um these are people that like wanted uh their posterity to be preserved for the modern age and uh be considered you know the arbiters of myth of their time and so between like him and marlowe i was like we have two good baked in villains who are, you know, contemporaries of Shakespeare who, you know, for one reason or another are justified in trying to want to bring him down. And I think that that was, you know, very appealing when I initially wrote it. Um, so. My only experience with the authorship question, and it's 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 silly, but it's one of those things that always stuck with me. Uh, I don't know if you remember at all. There was a sketch show on MTV in the mid '90s called "The State." And, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, that a favorite of mine to this day. And I cannot remember the specific sketch. All I know is it ended with Michael Showalter showing up out of nowhere dressed like William Shakespeare and just yelling, Christopher Marlowe wrote all my plays. <laughs> uh, I, try, I tried finding it and it just, you know, I'm just Googling state Shakespeare pants and it's not, I think the pants sketch was a different one. That, that, was, that was part of it. But anyway. <laughs> uh, so when it came to character design in the book, how much did you include in the script and how much was Gabrielle? I mean, 
for instance, I mean, Caliban as a fish monster is somewhat in the text, but you often see Caliban portrayed on stage such as not a fish monster, but a sort of hulking, you know, Neanderthal kind of looking thing or rock. rock, Right. So I was curious, I mean, for for Caliban, for Puck, how much of that was you? That was all her. That was, I mean, Caliban, especially, I mean, I saw that and I was like, whoa, this this is incredible. Like there's a, there's a close-up of of Caliban uh, kind of uh, halfway through issue three. And, and the way that, that she drew him is just like insane. I mean, and the way that Ines colored him is uh, I think adds a, a whole, a whole different layer of, of like grossness and and yeah he's definitely more of a fish monster i did a a couple of layouts for that just to like uh kind of uh for for guidance purposes because we were on a little bit of a time crunch when i was doing it and you know i drew caliban as a guy in a little hat and uh that you know (laughs) i i'm so grateful that 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 she was like no no hat (laughs) <laughs> just a uh, uh so, I, that they that, that that she was like no this is this is something that is you know i think just so so impressive uh erica came up with the costumes uh i had a little bit of um of input with that in terms of uh you know just overall like i want him to kind of look like scarlet pimpernel or uh you know some of these like kind of like renaissance fair uh characters um and but but she did like the colorways and the uh and 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 the designs of that and uh she also made puck as this kind of perfect little satyr and uh yeah but everything else was gabrielle after that um there's definitely you know uh I, I I I put in the notes like this is something that you would want to see at like a Renaissance fair, and I think that that is uh, that makes sense with like the built-in anachronisms being a uh, a, uh, a a benefit uh, like to and and as a as a guidepost to these uh, to these things um, in terms of design. Uh, and, and, and I was just like so lucky to work with uh, incredible collaborators. Um, they did so, they, they made it look so good. And yeah, I, I'm, I, 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 you know, this would not be a thing without them. I'm, I'm very much like, you know, credit the artist wherever you can. And mm-hmm. I mean, like, you know, I, I, I try not to downplay my own contributions to it, but I mean, without their work, I mean, this would not be anything. Um, and so they do so much and the, the bulk of the work, at, at least, like, you know, and, and so they, they need to be, uh, you know, held up high and uh, paid much more. And um, yeah, just, they, they did, they did so much work and, uh, you know, it was, it was that, that they are, they are the, the real people behind it. So, uh, you know, 
maybe that's just me like trying to to feel like a fraud um again but uh they they did the, the most work well well let's 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 credit another member of the team here because uh i wanted to bring up aditya bidikar's lettering uh you know first of all as letters he's one of the best to ever do it oh absolutely but, so good ab- absolutely you know uh, one thing that stands out is you know the choice wills will, uh, shakespeare's got his own font compared with other characters you know and and it's, and there are others that also you know have that but his stands out obviously and, and is the most uh consistent was that sort of a, a, a was that something you were looking for or was that like a a a, a gift i guess that aditya gave uh, gave you i mean that was an instruction um actually i mean i knew that i wanted shakespeare to have his own um his own font and his own, uh, but I also didn't want it to be uh, too distracting. And we did experiment with a few different uh, things, but Aditya was just like so uh, meticulous in making this stuff. And I knew that I wanted to have, you know, uh, white on black for um, for Puck. And uh, I knew that I wanted to have a few different uh, things like to have, um, you know, different different uh, characters have different uh, speech patterns and bubbles, uh, and so that was very exciting to me. Um, and but he just did such a good job in terms of placement and uh, and and the the way that he made um, you know everything kind of pop and and the the monster lettering and uh, the the sound effects. I mean, that's all him and just so so good i mean i'm i i'm i'm kind of sad that he's uh stepping away from lettering for a little while he was saying um and he was actually like posting some art on instagram and it's just you know this guy is so so talented uh in everything that he does and you know i i i was just incredibly lucky to to be able to you know get him at a time that he was um available and that you know i think that this guy's gonna win so many eisners and you know just be like the go-to letterer um you know more than clayton cowles or whatever and just they the 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 stuff that 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 he does is just mind-blowing um and his turnaround time is great too so i mean that's you know that that's just a testament to how lucky i got with the collaborators again. So uh, I wanted to get to, uh, and Matt, this might end up being a question for you, actually. But our uh, our, our grand Twitter inquisitor, uh, Asimov Fangirl, asked, is there an addition of Shakespeare's works that uh, you'd recommend for newbies? Uh, my knowledge of the Bard's plays comes from cultural osmosis and gargoyles, uh, and I'd like to know more. Uh, but I find it very difficult reading Old English. Uh, just for context, folks, uh, Asimov Fangirl is from Mexico, uh, based on my last read of uh, Sandman. The best editions that i find are the folger shakespeare library editions uh they're mass market paperbacks they're always about as cheap as you can find a paperback book so nowadays they're seven bucks i mean back when i was getting all of them they were five bucks but still by the price of a mass market paperback nowadays seven bucks ain't bad 
they do not do the direct line by line, you know, modern English translation, but it's the Shakespeare on the right hand page and on the left hand page are footnoted out specific words, phrases that won't be in common parlance. And at the beginning of each scene is a synopsis of what is going to happen in that scene. So, you know, going in the train of events, so you can sort of follow along since you know what's going to be happening in this scene, it makes it easier to follow the thread. There's also essays in each book about contextualizing the play. And there's also, by the way, a similar edition from Folger with all the sonnets in it. So that, that is also a great addition if you're curious to go towards the poetry end of Shakespeare. Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, what's my edition? Hold on. I have this, I have this giant collected edition that I like, that I got. And uh, I think it's, uh, it's called, uh... oh gosh. Yeah, this is, this is mine. Uh, ah, oh, zip. Yeah, the Oxford. Edition. Oxford. That's so a, I, um, a staple. Yeah. And so this is just like a, a giant uh, tome and it's all uh, uh, dog-eared and, uh, and, and marked and stuff. But this has everything. And I was just like, that's the one that I want. And I made my way through it. And uh, then uh, when I was writing it, I, I made it a point to watch at least one film version uh, or uh, uh, of, a, of a play or, you know, uh, Baz Luhrmann or whatever. Um, Spend a lot of time with and, Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, a lot of time with Kenneth Branagh. Uh, that, uh, that Hamlet is very good, uh, even though I don't think there are any hills in Denmark, but what are you going to do? Um, and Which uh, Richard three did you watch? I'm curious. I watched the... there. This was at a time when they were doing like these BBC movies, uh, like kind of movie of the week. Uh, I, I think it's called like the, 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 the hollow crown or something yes. like that. Yep. Um, the hollow crown. And, and yeah, so I, I watched that and that was great. And then I watched the uh, McKellen version and yeah. that was fun too. I mean, you know, I made sure to watch a couple of Julie Taymor, uh, uh, things and you know i i think Ju julie taymore is fun for having done spider-man uh but uh you know that that titus andronicus is very very good and violent and weird yes and, you know give me more of that <laughs> oh no I, i'm to this i i've yet to see the co uh oh god was it joel or ethan cohen who did the tragedy of Macbeth? the black right and white one with denzel yeah, yeah, that was in theaters for about a week at the height of Omicron around the holidays, and I was like, goal, but not even I'm going out to the theater now." And I go to the movie theaters every freaking week, and I, I need it's on the it's only streaming on Apple TV, which I is one of the streaming services I don't have. But sooner or later, we get that free trial month, and I'm gonna watch that first thing. <laughs> yeah, Apple TV has some good stuff. I like the after party. Oh, the after party um, was great. Yeah, no, it's pretty fun. I uh, got some good animated content, uh, but yeah, no, uh, that, that, yeah, that, that, that Shakespeare is, it's a good version. And I also watched, um, there's a fast bender version of Macbeth, yes. which, which is, you know, 
very dour. I mean, as Macbeth should be, but this one is like particularly like, I wouldn't say hard to watch, but just like, you know, it is, it's an experience where you're just like kind of, you know, in, in the chair and being subjected to this like very red movie. And it is, uh, you know, I, I, I like the, uh, the Cohen version uh, a lot, but my, the book was already very done by the time uh, that came out. So, you know, who knows what I would have taken from it. If you ever want to go track down another, there is an old uh, RSC production of Macbeth that was filmed for television with Ian McKellen and Judy Dench. Oh, wow. And uh, Ian McDermott as the porter, which is, is available readily or was available readily on DVD back when that was, you know, the main source of media. So I'm sure it's streaming somewhere. But I mean, this is, you know, fairly young. I mean, this was when they were in the RSC. So this is the 70s. That's amazing. Yeah. And I, I mean, I watched the uh, Mystery Science Theater version of Hamlet uh, <laughs> for one of them, uh, which was this weird German production uh, and is, you know, it's not the best episode of Mystery Science Theater, but it's, uh, it's good to have robot commentary, certainly. Everything's better with robots. <laughs> yeah, that's something that I missed out on in the making of the book. I don't think there's any automatons in there anywhere. Um, the, the, the second folio screams robots. <laughs> there you go. There is there, no robots, but there is a bad lieutenant port of call reference. So. Yes, there is a bad lieutenant port of call reference. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Herzog fan. <laughs> <laughs> as well you should be um so uh a thing about you uh in addition to to making comics you are also a medic correct yeah that's right um i i've been doing uh a bunch of uh, uh stuff at, at uh, on on sets and with uh ambulances and stuff uh that's a kind of a recent development though like uh this is you know well into the pandemic and uh I just needed something to do because jobs that I, I think I would be best at are very hard to get. And, you know, not a lot of, I, I know you have a lot of people on your podcast that, you know, are extremely talented and can make a living writing comics. But for me, I was just like, well, I, I got to do something. So uh, there was a, I, I live on the sunset strip and uh, there was an incident, uh, about a year ago, a little bit more, um, when uh, I, w- I was recovering from back surgery and uh, a homeless guy was uh, out in the street and just like he was like dangling off of the sidewalk and into the street and Ooh. people were just stepping over him and, and no one was really doing anything. And so uh, I called for paramedics and they told me to uh, do uh, chest compressions until they arrived. And so I did, and it was extremely frustrating and, um, also very rewarding. And so, uh, I got a, uh, an EMT certificate from, uh, from UCLA this, this last year. And, uh, you know, I've been working ever since it's been, 
it's been all right. You know, do a couple of fun things. Uh, this this whole last weekend, I, I was at uh, the Santa Monica Pier for a, uh, a MLB All Star event and got to see a bunch of baseball players, and so that was pretty cool. And uh, I was at like a celebrity's house today for some Peloton thing that they were filming. And I was at a, uh, you know, I, I was at a wrestling match on Thursday. So this is, uh, you know, it's, it's not my calling, but it is something that feels all right in the meantime. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, as I, keep writing the something that I want to incorporate into the writing. Mm -hmm. um, I've already written a couple of scripts about, you know, ambulance uh, workers and EMTs and stuff. And, you know, they're horribly underpaid. So that's, that's something that I'm passionate about. Um, I have a big bag full of uh, gauze and oxygen. And that's something that, I hope I never really have to use, but in the case that I do, I, uh, I'm ready. And, uh, you know, that's something that is, uh, just a part of my life now. I mean, it's awesome. And it sounds like it's getting you out of the house in some interesting ways and, and, and giving you some, some, some story fuel as well. So, you know, that's, a, that's all good stuff. Um, so normally about this point in the show, uh, we'd like to ask creators about their pets. Uh, this time I wanted to ask you about uh, something that happened recently uh, where you uh, rescued a dog. And now, first of all, I saw pictures of the dog. What, was this a dachshund? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, the, the mini dachshund. Um, yeah, that was just a weird thing that happened. Uh, my neighbor called me, um, you know, this was probably two weeks ago now um i was just kind of in for the night and my neighbor calls me around five o'clock and was like i found a little dog uh in the corner of the apartment and um so i um i was you know looking at it and you know that this is a very cute dog that's obviously somebody's pet and um yeah uh, i sent i sent out uh kind of an apb and i have a couple of blue checkmark friends and they uh mm -hmm. they helped signal boost it and we took uh we took it to uh get the chip read and you know fortunately we were able to find find the owner i mean this was uh they, i think she was gone for over a day and you know she hadn't gone too far like only a couple of blocks but i mean this is you know it's 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 hard because you know i i'm an animal lover and i grew up with uh dogs and cats and also you know other weird assorted pets i had a tarantula as a kid and um yeah and and the her her owners were just so happy to see her and uh they're they were like they had given up finding her uh she had gotten out while on a walk and uh when they were like attacked by a pit bull and i mean i love pit bulls too but um you know sometimes it can be very aggressive with uh smaller dogs and uh so she got out and like ran away and and i was you know i was fortunate enough to find her and, and bring her home i mean that's you know that's something that i would want if my cat got out um and my cat is uh just 
resting by my feet right now. So oh, okay. <laughs> so so points on both of our tallies tonight, sir. Yes, that's true. Uh, yeah. as, as the owner of too many dachshunds, I, I I thank you for your service. Uh, first of all, yeah, first. yeah. I don't think that that dog would have uh, you know she was not having a good time. I mean, like when I when I met her, she was shivering, and so I I gave her some dehydrated chicken and she was very she started warming up to me and you know eventually we were able to get her into the car and take her to the vet and get her scanned and uh get her home i was you know so happy that you know the process was fast and so you know if you are out there uh microchip your pets um don't just spay and neuter i mean do that too but yeah microchip them well, the technology wasn't as big back then, so Bob Barker couldn't make it uh, stick as a catchphrase. But, <laughs> uh, but, but let's make Matt happy too here. Tell us about your cat. Oh, this is this is Pickle. Uh, Pickle, he uh, he's great. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, my my friend uh, Claire um, helped me find him. He was uh, just. Uh, a little guy and she was taking her cat to uh, the vet and they were doing an adoption event and uh, and he was just there and uh, this was in December of 2019 and he's been with me ever since he's just been a really chill guy and it's kept me regular um, so I and not in a in a fiber way so. <laughs> He's just been, he's just been a, a sweet, uh, presence and he's just like a, uh, dog a little bit. He, uh, he plays fetch. He plays, uh, he, he has uh, a lot going on behind there and, uh, yeah, I love him so much. I love Piccolo. That's excellent. That's excellent. Uh, so penultimate question, what are you reading right now? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I just read, uh, Batman 89, which was so fun. And uh, the Daniel Warren Johnson Beta Ray Bill yeah. uh, was just fantastic. Um, Made in Korea. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've read that one. Jeremy Holt uh, mm-hmm. is just fantastic book. Um, I also read, um, uh, oh gosh, uh, Spider Punk is kind of in my rotation now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm Really excited for uh, my my friend Dave Baker and Nicole Goo's uh, upcoming uh, Forest Hills Bootleg Society. I think yeah. that's going to be really fun. I mean, you know, I I know it's like another young reader book, but I think that there's a lot of there, there's a lot of merit for adult readers to read young reader stuff. Um, Absolutely, I think it's I think it's great. Right on. Well, uh, Eric, this has been a uh, fantastic time. Final question as we release you back into the world, how can people follow you online and, and keep off with uh, No Holds Barred and everything else that you have going on? Uh, yeah, you can pre-order No Holds Barred. It drops um, August 8th, I believe, 8th or 9th um, it, at fine comic book retailers and online stores everywhere. Um, and yeah, you can find me. I'm Real Gladstone on Twitter. I am Eric Gladstone on Instagram. Uh, and I think that's most of the social media that I do. So, uh, yeah, uh, find me there. Uh, I also, uh, 
I also go on Reddit sometimes uh, as True Blue, True Blue Friend is my handle there. And I go on the, uh, the Make Comics subreddit and the uh, Comic Book Collab subreddit whenever I'm like looking for uh, some collaborators. I mean, I found a really cool uh, collaborator named Ron Joseph uh, there. And we did a, a few uh, one page um, uh, uh, stories that are kind of like recontextualizing uh, dance lyrics as kind of easy horror uh, uh, books. So mm -hmm. like we did one about Cotton Eye Joe uh, as like a serial killer and, you know, one about uh, uh, that, that do you think you're better off alone? Oh, sure. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, like yeah. as, as a, like a post-apocalyptic after the bomb kind of thing. Uh, so, you know, it's something that it was something to do. It got a little bit of traction. It was fun uh, to do that. Uh, I'm also uh, writing a video game tie-in uh, that I'm don't think I'm really allowed to talk about yet, but that should be coming out at some point. And uh, yeah, I'll be down at Comic-Con. Uh, I don't know when this drops, but um, I'm going down this week. It should be fun. Um, and I'm just walking around on the floor. So see you there. Right. right you guys there. going? Are you guys going to be there? <laughs> no, no, I have not done uh, San Diego uh, yet. Question mark. Uh, I will be at C2E2 this year, though. Ooh. I mean, I love C2E2. That was a, that was a great show the one time that I went. But it is... Uh, you know, we had the looming pandemic then, and now it's just like, I don't know if I can take time off of work to do this, but uh, it should be, you know, I'm, I'm down to do it. Yeah. Not even sure what the dates are. Oh, th this year it's August. Early August. <laughs> yeah. But uh, right on. Well, Eric, thank you so much for coming on the show. Of course. Thank you. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF, where you can find this podcast along with our sister podcast, Battle of the Atom, Chris's on Infinite Earths, and Bat Chat with Matt and Will, co-hosted by Matt Lazowitz and our bud Will Nevin. Uh, P.S. Matt and Will, sorry I made you read White Knight again. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at patreon.com slash WMQComics, where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a free comic in the mail for my collection. A $2 donation gets you a slot in the Comics XF staff picks. A $3 donation gets you access to our new bonus podcast, Our Son Pete, a deep dive into the appearances of British mutant super spy Pete Wisdom, and a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from the Match Club podcast, Robert Secundus from ComicsXF.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's Spider-Woman series, Kat Purcell from ComicsXF, Liz Large from ComicsXF, Will Nevin from ComicsXF, and Asimov Fangirl, a.k.a. The Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember, the ForceWorks character Sentry was apparently part of Combo Man. W -N -Q -A.